Good morning. You know, last week I started a series called Repair and Prepare, Reflections on the Book of Nehemiah. If you missed the first part, I'd highly recommend that you catch up on it. I speak in series and so last week, sorry, this week will make more sense in the light of last week, but also we're on a journey together. The Lord will, has and is shaping us as we go together on that journey. And if I could just um, outlay an overall theme of Nehemiah that we can take and apply, it would be this, that those that love God and his kingdom, those that study the Bible and pray, will do everything they can, will do everything they can to advance the gospel, advance the kingdom and seek others to be drawn into doing the same. God's put a desire in the heart of Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the city. He gave him a God-given vision for it. And I would say our hearts have been broken for this church, for the, the people the Lord has drawn towards towards it, but also for this city to bring restoration, to seek to bring justice, to physically restore something of 422, to bring the restoration to a community through it, to people, to be a people that don't just talk about that, about the needs we see, but actually want to practically get on with it and do something about it and seek activation points in people's lives, whereby we're people that get to do the stuff that Jesus did. I believe that we're in a crucial marker in our journey as a church, but also in a crossroads for the city, for for the for the globe, to be honest with you, as we find ourselves seeking to emerge from this pandemic. Last week, we looked at a vision to rebuild, and this week, I want to look at a vision to restore. We need to have a vision. Without vision, the people perish. And we're less focused on bringing you back. We're more focused on taking you forward. Does that does that make sense? We, we're, we're in an amazing opportunity as a church. We are replanting this church. You know, when you plant a church, it creates and gives you massive buy-in opportunities. It creates a, a, a dependence within you to have a real deep hunger for God and for him to move powerfully. You live in, in the reality of quite significant faith moments. If God doesn't move it isn't going to work but to be honest we always want to live in those moments of course we do but we don't always realize that we're in them or we don't always realize that we can live in them and so this is I would say is a moment for many of you where maybe you've sat on the sideline and and now to to rise and to really take hold of all that God has for you or for those of you that have sat dormant to have something in you awakened. For those of you that have felt or been in a period in a time of disillusionment, to lay that aside and to grasp the potential of what could be afresh. For those of you that have felt defined by your past or by your pain, to step out from that into a place of purpose and promise. For those of you that feel you're new and you've never really met anybody or never actually met anybody among this community in person to realize that we're probably all in a place where we've not met or seen or been with other people and to not let that be a barrier to you because we have to fight and we have to take hold of community and realize 
that it's for all of us, but we have to choose it and we have to fight for it. We have to fight for every life, for every person that could go on a journey with Jesus. And so you never naturally get a moment to relaunch but actually we have now because replanting is an opportunity for you and it's an opportunity for this city. With the story and the journey that we're on with Nehemiah, we have seen that he is living out the fulfilment of scripture, the fulfilment of the Bible, that he's a student of the Bible, that he passionately loves God's heart and God's kingdom, and he's praying for the kingdom to come. And he's also planned for what he can do. He's ready to go and do something. He's ready to go into action. And whenever he gets the opportunity, he's actually going to step into it and do something about it. And between the time of praying and fasting that we looked at that he had last week, a lot of time has passed. You know, the opening verses of of chapter two tell us that a a significant period of time has passed. Let's, Let's just read it. It says this, Nehemiah 2, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, which is a month, not a car, but during the 20th century of King Artaxius reign, hard name to say, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. If you missed it, When I said it last week, Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. But why is he sad? He's sad because he's carrying a burden of compassion. His heart is broken and stirred, but he senses a call to action. It's deeply troubling him. I won't spend too much time on it because we looked at it last week, but it was personal to him. And this has to be personal to us. I am broken for Christ, his church, and his cause. I believe that's part of the people we're called to be is absolutely spent, broken. It's got to be personal. It's got to touch our hearts, to touch our minds, to then touch our responses. I'm deeply longing to regather the church, to corporately focus on Jesus and to stir us, stir ourselves to his cause as his church you know serving this city with every fiber in our bones let me just give you four p's i want to briefly look at that i think kind of um unpack part of what we're looking at today and it's this pain personal purpose and promise it has to it has to pain us something has to weigh on our hearts for it to become personal You know, Nehemiah said this, I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. He is deeply troubled because he carries a pain for the people and that pain has become personal. His pain is for the restoration of God's people. His pain is weighing on his mind and it's stirring vision in his heart that's leading him to action with his hands and his feet. And honestly, we should be the same for our houses, for our streets, for our workplaces, wherever we don't see the breaking in of the kingdom of God. There should be a pain in our hearts and a longing and a desperation and a stirring for for that to be something that comes to pass. A longing for God to break in and for us to be used, to be people that are used to do something about it. That personal pain 
causes him to uncover the purposes of God. And if we can direct it in the right way, in the healthy way, it leads us to action. It leads us and causes us to want to make a difference. And that release uncovers and reveals something of the promises of God. The pain that becomes personal uncovers the purposes, which ultimately are the promises of God. Nehemiah is carrying a pain and he's had it for a while. You know, there's a few things in this I think we could take a lot from it, but there's a few really obvious things. The first is we're called to a long-haul commitment. 422 was never something that was going to happen overnight. Our commitment and resolve to see change and transformation in the city and areas of it and all that he's called us to is never something that's going to happen overnight. The change and sanctification that happens in our lives Sometimes does actually happen quickly, but often it's a lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus. We're called to be people that are committed. You know, other things that you're hoping for and longing for, things that burden you and cause you to feel a weight of unmet hopes and dreams. I want to say this to you this morning. Do not throw in the towel. Don't give up longing, dreaming, hoping and desiring. The pain often leads us to uncover the purpose and the purpose walks us into the promise. Nehemiah said this in verse 4, he said, Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Let the, the thing that pains you become personal to you to become the thing that helps you uncover and realize what we're called to and what we're ultimately called to is this people 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 every time i believe there is so much significance about people and place god has called us to this place and to these people this city is for us to spend ourselves on There's so much we could unravel and wrap that we see in the Bible about the theology of people and place. That this church is for us to give ourselves to. This city, therefore, through the vehicle and the mechanism of the church, through the bride of Christ, is a place to serve and offer ourselves for the fullness, for the extension of the kingdom to this place, to this city. Verse 5, the king asked, well, how can I help you? You know, evidently something in Nehemiah's words or manner had communicated something about this city and the kings picked up on it. Of course he has, because then you start to see the favour of God when you give yourself to the plans and the purpose of God. The situation unfolds really quite quickly then, but not so quickly that he forgets how he got himself into this place in the first place. The king asks, well, how can I help you with a prayer to the God of heaven? I replied, Nehemiah said. Before he replied, he prayed to the God of heaven so powerful as we seek to have a vision to restore as 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 we do that, but before we do anything for you, for your family, for your workplace, for the church, for the city, for whatever your need or concern, let our first step be one that presses into Jesus. We pray to the God of heaven, but not as an excuse. Prayer doesn't stop us. He didn't say, no, no, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pray about it. He said, I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to do something. He did something as he prayed. 
I don't need to pray about what I'm called to because I'm called ultimately to Christ, his church and his cause. We all are. And so we do something about it. Prayer is an action. Prayer is a doing. I'm stepping into all that he has for me. Whether we feel burdened right now and sad, robbed and lost, or whether you feel light and ready for all that is coming. For all of us, let our first thought before we do or say anything to be always one that turns to Jesus. You know, in the intensity of the situation, and even though for Nehemiah it was deeply personal to him, He's not been clouded or affected in his judgment by that. His first thought, the turning of his attention, goes straight to God. His instinct is to trust and rely on God. He again has a scripture-saturated, God-focused prayer for, for, for God to do what God has promised and is produced in Nehemiah a heart to long to see God's word fulfilled. Do you you kind of see the story and the rhythm of what happens in the life and the story of Nehemiah? We see it time and time again. It's pain, it's it's personal, it's purpose, and it uncovers and it reveals promise. Nehemiah's private prayer, gosh, so many Ps, but Nehemiah's private prayer has spilled into his daily life. Don't, Don't you long for the same? Did you have a desperation for the same, that we would study the Bible, that we would pray, that we would fast, that we would trust God for his promises and believe in more than we see and that our heart's cry would be for the restoration of his people, for his church and for his city. It says this with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. If it pleases the king and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Verse 6, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of the west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me the letter addressed to Asava, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me the timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temporal fortress, for the city walls and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was upon me. What, what do we take? What do we learn? Well, it's time to repair and it's time to prepare. It's time to plan for restoration. The restoration of the church, the restoration of the city, we have to have vision, we have to have passion, we have to have desire, we have to have longing for it, and we have to have a pain that becomes personal for it. We have to be a people that are pregnant with this thing. Because right now, what I see so often is is the trappings of everything that seeks to dilute that. It's the fear, and it's the anxiety, and it's the distractions. It's so much easier to to not do church how we used to. I'm not saying it'll all be as it was, but it can, in our minds so often, become easier not to do it. Because it's so much easier just to roll out of bed and, I guess, you know, like... One foot 
in yeah you know just plodding along it would be so much easier if 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 the sunday rhythm wasn't there you know and i could just do what i want how i want when i want as i want you know it'd be so much easier if i didn't have to be somebody that serves yeah maybe it would but that's not what we're called to because we're called to be servants We're called to be people that rebuild. We're called to serve Christ, his church and his cause and with everything within us, every fibre in our bones. I can't wait to get back into church-gathered environments. I read it this way this week. Parents who treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Gosh, Parents who treat church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Goodness, I can't wait to get back to the gathered environment of the church. I can't wait, if I'm honest, to get our kids on teams. We were chatting with them about it this week, how we'd love and how we long to turn up early and to make it happen because we want to show them what it is to serve, to involve them in service, to model to them to demonstrate to them, not just to talk about it, but to actually do it because Jesus came to serve and not to be served and we serve his church. If we show them Jesus, they can't not love his church because it's his bride and it's what he's coming back for. This has got nothing to do really with where I'm going with this, but just want to unlock the creativity in some of you. I need a way of answering a question that Liv, who is our four-year-old, asked me this week. She said, okay, if Jesus is inside me and he stands up, how will he fit? You know, and I obviously didn't say the obvious thing of like, would he fit if he's sitting down? But I I need a creative way to unpack the Trinity to her because she's searching for some of those questions. So answers on a postcard. I love how children think, but we have to instill, we have to impart, we have to hand on something of Christ, his church and his cause to the emerging generations. And we do that partly by modelling it, by giving ourselves to it and by living it out. Anyway, Nehemiah seeks to be used by God to see his own prayers answered. We have to be people that give thought to how God is going to use us to bring about his promises to pass. Can Can I just slow that down and say that again? We have to be people that give thought to how God is going to use us to bring about his promises to pass. This isn't about bringing us back. This is about moving us forward. We have to consider our lives, our roles, our gifts, what we have, the talents and the trophies that he's put in our hands, in our hearts and in our minds, and how we're going to use them for the extension of his kingdom to serve Christ, his church and his cause. Verse 8 says this, The king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was upon me. The hand of God was upon him. You know, Luke 4.18, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 and Isaiah's pictures the deliverance of Israel from the exile in Babylon as a year of jubilee when all debts are cancelled, when slaves are freed and all property is returned to its original owners. But the release of the Babylonian exile had not brought the expected fulfilment that they were were referring to and seeing 
as as a as a conquered and oppressed people. So Isaiah must have been referring to a future messianic age. And Jesus says this. He says, "And the spirit of the Lord is upon me." For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will be, will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And he says the same to us, to usher in that kingdom. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8, And the king granted these requests, because the gracious hand of God was upon me. The hand of God is upon us for all that he is calling us to do. And the hand of God refers to the power of God and the power always comes for a purpose. The power is always found in his presence and it's found in his presence, but it's released for a purpose. Do you see it? It's personal, it's purpose and it's promise. The power is in the presence and the power is given for a purpose. And it's given to us for a purpose. God brought Israel out of Egypt with a strong strong hand. And now he brings them out of Babylon to rebuild the city and a wall under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. And the hand of God was upon them. The power is always for a purpose. His power is upon us to restore us. I'm praying that for you, that your heart, your mind, your soul would be restored. To repair us, to prepare us, we now have to do something about it. We lean into the things that he leans into because that's when the power comes as we step into it. Nehemiah prayed and he made preparations to be used of the Lord in answer to his own prayers. We have to be a people that give thought to how God is going to use us to bring his promises to pass. Nehemiah prayed and he made preparations to be used of the Lord in answer to his own prayers. His prayers were based on the strong foundations of what God had promised to do. I heard that, sorry, the heart cry that I have for this city is that we would do what is on the heart of God. What is on the heart of God? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us, for he has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He sent us to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. We have to have a vision to restore. If we don't have a vision, we're not going to step into it. If we have a vision, we're going to step into the purposes and the promises of God. We're called to contribute rather than consume. It's the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of comfort. And it's going to cost you. I want to be honest, it's going to cost you because it cost Jesus and it cost him everything. Verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and it gates, its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been upon me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. This, honestly... 
I don't know if I can convey it with the passion that I, I hope does over a camera. I wish we were in person. This is a call to arms. This is a time to restore not just your life, not just the church, but this city too. This, this statement Nehemiah makes is to the people doing the work. It's to you, if, if you will, if you like. He isn't trying to accomplish the task alone. He, this is everybody. Everybody gets to play. That's where we get this phraseology from. It's not made up as a nice phrase. This is this is the kingdom stuff. This is what we get to do. Nehemiah knows that he needs the people of God to accomplish the work of God. So having studied the Bible, having prayed, having acted, now Nehemiah summons others to join him pursuing God's kingdom. Guys, honestly, this is our time to lean in, to pick up the tools, to join in God with what God is doing in this church and in the city. Nehemiah starts with the mess that they're in. You, you might think you're in a mess, you know, ill-equipped, ill-prepared, but mess leads to ministry because pain becomes personal. It leads us to purpose, which leads us to promise. It says this in the passage, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. He had a vision to do something about it. They said, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. You know, today God's name is no longer uh, at stake in a city with walls and gates. God's name is at stake in the lives of his people who are the new temple of the Holy Spirit. What walls and gates need work in your life? You know, there'll, there'll be loads. Is it is it your marriage? Is it your children? Does the eye gate need attention? Do you know, do you know what I mean by that? The eye gate? Do you need to put a guard over your eyes to be more strict about what you watch and what you listen to and what you're influenced by? Maybe you see that in the same way Jerusalem laid in ruins in Nehemiah's day, so elements in your life lay in ruins now. There, there could be many elements of your life where you're like, I'm laying in ruins. You know, I want to say for us, even just in a church context, we want to prepare, prepare to be back together, to prepare to serve his church and this city. For some of you, you will find that your gates are burned down and you feel helpless to put out the flames that are currently destroying you. Well, the thing that I want you to hear, because we try and find a way of fixing that, repairing that and rebuilding that in so many ways. But there is a leader greater than Nehemiah who can deliver you. Don't look anywhere else other than to him, because there is one with greater passion and desire for God's name and for God's kingdom to come and for God's will to be done. And his name is Jesus. And it is Jesus that gave his life so that all who trust him can be saved. You know, in this passage, we see the hallmarks, the handprint, the, almost the foretelling of Jesus. What do the broken walls and the fire look like for you? You know, what's the cost of separation over this last year, year and a half look like for you? What does the change in how you worship and how you pray look like? The change in community, the separation from community. 
what's what's that done? What damage has that done? It's time to 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 restore. It's time to come to the restorer, to ultimately to Jesus. Do people you know? Do people around you know that you love Jesus by the love that you have for them? Well, if not, it's time to restore that heart and that gold that should be upon us. Do they see the gospel of Jesus in your marriage? Do they see? Do, do, do they marvel at the way that you raise your children? Do they see us in love with with someone whereby there is no greater? Our willingness to lay down our lives for our friends. When we're restored, when our hearts are so burning with the passionate fragrance of the, the, the living overflow of the Spirit of God within us, that's what starts to happen. We're a people that need restoration to allow that to come to pass. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem together. Verse 18 says this, Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been upon me, about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once. I love that. They replied at once. They didn't have to think about it. Yes, let's rebuild the walls. So they began the good work. Other versions say it like this. They strengthened their hands for the good work. They strengthened their hands for the good work. It's time to rebuild. It's time to strengthen our hands to do it, to strengthen our resolve, to strengthen our faith, to to read our Bibles, to pray and to actually do it, to never neglect our meeting together, to never neglect our stirring up of each other towards love and good works. You know, one of the challenges of this time is that people are desperate for normality, but they don't necessarily want the commitment that comes with it. That's what I'm seeing. People want normality, but they don't want the commitment that comes with the relational connectivity of all that can be ahead for us. This is going to cost us. You know, the story of God has to be so written in our hearts that it's outworked in our hands. Spiritual transformation happens when we begin to match our attitudes and our thoughts with with the heart that God has for us and for his city. And this happens when we begin to value what God values, when we start to care about the people that he cares about and we begin to work where he is at work around us. This is his church, but he calls us to play our part in it this is his city but he calls us to play our part in it you know wherever the gospel has gone spiritual transformation is reflected in societal change we have to have god dreams in our hearts i believe that's part of what we're called to paul concentrated his ministry on on one city ephesus an entire region was reached with the good news of Jesus. The city was the centre for commerce and social interaction and it was God's ordained vehicle for impacting that entire region. If you transform a city, you can transform a region. One city can make a huge difference. But, but where does it start? Well, it starts with you and me because one life, one church can make a huge difference. It started with Nehemiah with a hunger and a desperation for the plans and the purposes of God to unfold in his life, for it to be deeply rooted in him that it, so that it could then flow through him. He carried a pain 
but he dealt with his pain in a healthy way. The dream in my heart is that you start to realise that God wants to restore you. And as he restores you, he'll release you. You know, we're, we're replanting. Let's build the wall together. Come and be part of the, the story of God in your life, but in this church and in this city. I hope that makes sense and is helpful. I, I, I'm sorry if it seems shouty, but honestly, the passion in my heart for this to land on you is, is really quite something. And that's hard to convey when we're not in person. But let's just, let's just invite the, the spirit of God to come upon us, spirit of the living God. That is honours, fall afresh honours now in greater measure. That our hearts and minds would be transformed. That we would be sent to do all that you've called us to do. Not just to think about it, talk about it, pray about it, but to do it. Lord, call forth your army stirring us for this moment to rebuild the walls. Call us to each other call us to your church that you laid down your life for and call us to this city to serve it and to give it everything we've got lord let your presence fall upon us afresh let there be an anointing let there be a commissioning right now jesus we welcome you we welcome you i believe if you open your mind and your heart afresh to all he has for you there's going to be significant seed sown and fruit born as a result of what he's stirring us in these moments i believe some of you now there's a you just need a moment of grieving i believe there's almost a shaking off of some of what has cling to you and held you some of the negativity of this time that has burdened and bound some of you. I just want to pray in the name of Jesus. I'll just release that off some of you. It can happen in a moment. Some of you, it'll be a moment. Some of you, you've got to walk, walk it out. Some of you, it's like the, 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 the city is in ruins of your heart and your mind. I just, you, you're burdened with so many things. Lord, I pray, release it, God. Lift it off. The torment, the anxiety... the relational misfiring, the burdens on some of your marriages and health and circumstances and relationships with your neighbours and all of it and workplace, some of it's become so complicated. Lord, I pray where there's ruins bring change. Rebuild the walls. Lord Jesus. Some of you, I just sense you, you've just gone lukewarm. It's just become a bit, well... It, I, the Lord's calling you back. Some some of you, I think you you've made you made covenants with yourself, and I just believe this morning He wants to break them. It's like you've, you 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 you're not allowing yourself to believe what He believes about you. You're believing what you believe or what others have told you, or what has just become a built up layer through life lord jesus would people believe what you believe about them again call them to the fullness lord a vision for the full restoration of what you want to do in their hearts in their minds but in their lives the practical outworking of the kingdom of god your reign and rule lord let it extend lord i pray as a church as a people as individuals strengthen our hands to do it 
Lord, for all you've called us to, where you've become weary and tired and burdened and exhausted and frustrated and all of the tiredness and weariness that will have come from this past chapter. Lord, strengthen our hands, strengthen our frame, strengthen our resolve. Spirit of the living God, anoint us afresh. And Lord, fall upon us to bring good news, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Lord, let the favour of the living God be upon us, I pray. Lord, and everything else that is in the, the, the prayers of your people this morning, Lord, hear the cry of our hearts, let an incense rise up from us a longing and a petitioning for a move of you. God bless us. Yeah, bless you. We'd just leave you with some quiet music playing this morning. You might want to reach out to some of us to stand with you, to pray with you. Don't don't rush what the Lord is doing among us this morning, but God bless you and we, we hope you have a good week. Speak to you soon.